Hello, hello, and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Cheese Boy, and let's get into it on today's episode, recapping the action from the weekend. And there were some epic, epic clashes, massive derbies, and my oh my, were there some performances on display, starting with the biggest game in the world. El Clasico, the clash between the two Spanish giants, arguably the two biggest clubs on earth. Madrid are by far the biggest club in the world, I think, um, personally, even though they've been the bane of my beloved, beloved existence for the past five, six years, especially in the Champions League. If it's not a Madrid team knocking us out, then we're winning it. Pretty much that. Um, And most of the time it's been Real Madrid. In any case, going into this season, obviously, Real Madrid did not win either of their two most cherished prizes. They did not win La Liga or Champions League last season. So they needed to get one over on Barca here to lay down an early marker to let the world know that, hey, yes, we are in the title race. We're going to win it this year. They fell completely off, especially last season up against a Barca team that's been in transition. They fell on their face early and Barca completely ran away with it they stomped their way through uh, through Spain and won it all Madrid obviously couldn't beat Man City again in the Champions League so they failed they brought in Jude Bellingham and this motherfucker my word (laughs) he's that guy right now I've been saying for the past couple of weeks now probably over a month that Jude Bellingham is the best player in the world right now in current firm current form he's absolutely excellent my word he gets that free role Carlo Ancelotti just lets him play he lets him roam because there's three solid midfielders behind him it's either some sort of combination of Kamavinga, Chiumeni, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, uh, Valverde, Fede. Uh, so he has a bunch of players behind him who will put in the legs. He can just go and link up play with Vinicius and Rodrigo and do whatever he wants, whatever he needs to do. And it's been working like a fucking treat. I don't think anyone saw him going there and becoming the best player in the world. It just seems to be the case. However... They go into this game at the camp now, not the camp now actually, at this um, other stadium because they're renovating the camp now. Barca flying high, well, not necessarily flying high. They defensively, they haven't been as strong as they were last season. Last season, their defense was phenomenal. They had conceded like only 10 goals after 30 games, something ridiculous like that. They haven't been as defensively solid however going into this game they must have felt confident and from the first whistle they were fantastic they were a lot better than Madrid for the majority of this game particularly in the first half in the first half they completely dominated Madrid I can't recall any good Madrid attacks chances nothing bosses completely stifled them Uh, and early on in the game Gundogan who Obviously, the captain of Manchester City's treble-winning team last season moves to Spain for a new a new project, a new challenge, and he's the one who opens the scoring here. Um, of a big game player, he's been a big game player for City for a while now, um, and he is 
probably going to be that guy for Barsi. He's the one who opens the scoring here. Uh, an unsuccessful one too. He gets fortunate. Uh, obviously, a little bit of fortune falls his way. Uh, it, it deflects off David Alaba. He finds himself alone in the box. He takes a perfect touch and slots it home. Boom, 1-0 to Barca. Obviously, they're flying at this point. Madrid, uh, they, they were struggling to play out of the back. They were giving away chances. Uh, Fernand Lopez, who scored his first senior goal in the Champions League the week before. Uh, he hit the post. Um, the, the game kind of hinged on two duels in my eyes. It hinged on Gavi versus Bellingham, and Gavi obviously was the he was given the task of man marking Jude Bellingham. Of course, Jude Bellingham getting that free role it means he'll just pop up in spaces if you have a rigid uh, zonal marking going on. So sometimes you probably just need to put a player on him. Chavis Chavi chose Gavi. And Gavi, he did a phenomenal job. He was fantastic. He was excellent. He is a little bit of a hothead, but he is, what, like 19? And he's been around for a lot longer than most 19-year-olds in world football. Excellent player. I still think Pedri's the better player, but Pedri, the more he gets picks up these injuries and so on and so forth, the more you're going to kind of look at it maybe as an Ansu Fati kind of situation whereby is he going to reach the heights that we think he could reach? Who knows? Uh, so at the moment, Gavi's obviously the guy because Gavi's on the pitch and Gavi did an excellent job, man, marking the best player in the world. For the majority of the game, he didn't let him get a sniff at all. He was all over him. He was harassing him, harrying him, all of that, uh, which I believe really, really contributed quite well to Barca's dominance in that first half. They, of course, dominated possession. Madrid could barely play out of the back. The other reason, the other duel as to why I think Barca were all over this game was Jao Felix up against Rudiger. Rudiger did not have a good first half. Not at all. Not at all. He was a little bit shaky. I believe he gave the ball away once or twice. Jao Felix uh, <laughs> gave him the quetla of his life. At, at a certain point, Jao Felix, he looked electric. He looks a lot better in this more free-flowing kind of setup as opposed to the dumpster fire that was Chelsea last season uh, and opposed to a more rigid uh, Diego Simeone system. He plays and he looks really, really good for Barca at the moment. However, things changed. Vinicius Jr. also, he was, he, he was all over the show. However, things changed. In the second half, Madrid had to force the error. They had to do something, get something going. And I figured this guy would play a role in this game. Going into the game at halftime, I figured, okay, Jude Bellingham's going to step up. He's going to do something. He's going to maybe nick a goal. He's going to do something. Or is it was a question? Was it a question of is is it overhyped? Did he just have a really good, really good start to the season? And in the biggest game of the season thus far, Gavi got the better of him. That wasn't to be the case. This motherfucker steps up when Madrid needed something. They needed some sort of spark. 
anything, literally anything from the stars and from, it's as though from the heavens, this bit of genius, this bit of inspiration, this bit of ingenuity fell upon Jude Bellingham in that moment. It must have been the 66th, 67th minute. And he just strikes the ball. He's about a mile out. He strikes the ball sweetly with so much power and ferocity as as though he put all that frustration of being man marked out of the game by Gavi into that one strike and me oh my was it a fucking rocket into the back of the net phenomenal stuff I couldn't believe what I had seen I'm watching this bear in mind to give a little bit of context I'm watching this on a Saturday morning Rugby World Cup final <laughs> a Shout out to the Springboks For winning their second in a row Was on my mind I'm catching El Clasico Gassed And I'm thinking Boss are all over this uh, they, They're going to sew this game up Jude Benningham steps forward And he hits that rocket I see it going to the back of the net And I stood up like with my jaw almost on the ground like what the fuck who is this guy who is this guy (laughs) whoa wow and that 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 wasn't even the end of the story a little bit later he steps forward he pops up in the six yard box in like the 92nd minute uh, it was essentially a mishit, I believe, from Luka Modric. It bounces perfectly perfectly for Jude Bellingham. He finds himself in the right place at the right time. The reason being he made the right fucking run. He slots it home. Madrid steals the win 2-1 away to Barcelona. And... and this guy can do no wrong at the moment. He's he's currently on 13 goals and three assists in 13 games. He's matched Zidane, who his, whose number he took. He took the number five. Talk about balls on this fucking guy. He takes the number five. He's matched Zidane's greatest goal contribution season for Madrid. And it that was October. Today is November, November 1st. That's incredible stuff. That's just incredible stuff. What a story. It's a fairy tale, basically, at this point. Best player in the world right now. He's 20 years old. If he continues like this, and I said this before, he could be Ballon d'Or bound, considering that Messi, who actually, shout out to him, congratulations, Lionel Messi, for winning his eighth Ballon d'Or, greatest player of all time. I, I, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, a couple months back. I really thought Erling Haaland should have won it. Because he won the treble, he broke the Premier League goal-scoring record. Messi, I, I get it, he won La Ligue A, but PSG have been winning Ligue A. That's, that's not really much of an achievement. Obviously, he won the World Cup, greatest player of all time. Yes, we understand that, but uh, in terms of the full season. Anyways, anyways, shout out to Messi. However, Messi's in, in Miami now, so and Cristiano's in Saudi Arabia, the Ballon d'Or, the throne, the mantle of greatest player in the world is open and up for grabs. Mbappe looks like the guy. Erling Haaland could be the guy. From nowhere, it could be Judah Bellingham. Phenomenal stuff. Madrid win the game 2-1. Excellent stuff from them. They, they also have a little bit of catching up to do, but sometimes 
you know, a great player takes the game by, by the scruff of its neck. And this is what this kid did. Shout out to you, Jude. On Sunday, I had the absolute pleasure of catching the Liverpool versus Forest game. Uh, yeah, I'll go Liverpool versus Forest. Uh, and as you would expect at Anfield, the game was at Anfield. We have been on a bit of a win streak. We beat Everton. We beat um, Toulouse in midweek. We needed to continue that that spell. We have we've had a few kinder. Uh, the fixture list has been a lot kinder to us recently. We've had a few lower table opposition. Everton, of course, uh, Forest. We do have Luton coming up on the weekend, so it's 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 time to pick up points, and that's exactly what we did. Forest sat deep, as you would expect. Obviously, they stifled us. Very organized. Very. Uh, they had five at the back. Rigid. Uh, proper back five barely any wing backs and they just tried to break forward when they could they couldn't we we kept them in for the most part however they did stifle us we didn't get any great opportunities early on in the first 30 or so minutes however with this club team with this club 2.0 team this team we score goals. We we get goals. We find goals. It is what it is. We have five phenomenal starting level players. I'm happy with any any of the five starting at any point. And just mentioning those five forwards, I do want to make a mention the Luis Diaz situation with his parents. I mean, they were kidnapped, if you didn't know, in his native Colombia. Just awful, awful situation. The mom was recovered. The pops is still MIA tough situation Luis Diaz is going to be out of commission for however long it takes for that situation to be sorted out I hope everything goes well and that's all I'm going to say about that in any case we have phenomenal forward line and we've supplemented that with an excellent technical young midfield that gets numbers as well McAllister gets assists so a slide we've seen scored a couple of goals gets assists Gravenberg couple goals gets assists so we score pretty much every game i think there was a stat in the league cup game which is after this first game uh, where we we've scored i think something like 20 20 25 games in a row so we haven't failed scoring for forever basically and i say all that to say that we knew there was going to be some sort of breakthrough here. I don't think Forrest is the defense that's going to shut us out. I, that's just not the case right now. And that was that was true. Forrest did f- fling forward a little bit at, at a certain point. They tried to get their opportunities when they could. I'm not sure if it was a... Uh, I don't think it was a set piece. But they, they were forward. They lost the ball. Salah played in Nunes. Uh, it was a nice little three-on-three three or three-on-two-on-two two counter, classic Liverpool counter-attack. Salah plays in Nunes. Nunes with the shot. Keeper makes a save. Good save. However, it falls to Diogo Jota, and he puts us 1-0 up. And from there, we were we were just rolling. We were just, boom, nice and easy. Uh, not too long after that, I don't recall if this was in the first or second half it might have been the second half i believe it yeah it was the second half early in the second half and just 
just awesome football all around. This is what you see, the second Liverpool goal. This is the kind of goal that we've been creating consistently, systematically. It tells you that there's a beautiful pattern of play, similar to Klopp's original team, original Liverpool team. We're creating something similar. I won't say similar, but but there are elements of, okay, I've seen a Liverpool goal like this in the past six months, and I'm going to see more in the next six months that sort of that sort of uh blueprints that that imprinting of a style of football nudge nudge wink wink eric eric ten Hag over there at old trafford and it went something like this jota plays in sobosly and as i say that sobosly he was man of the match in this game. Phenomenal player. I sp- I picked this guy up every single fucking week. He was amazing. I did say in the previous episode that maybe Graven Birch is is could be our best midfield signing, but Sobosly went and shut me the fuck up because he had a, a great performance. He was everywhere on the pitch. His heat map must have been ridiculous because he ran and sprinted and ran some more and then played great balls, dribbling, passing, his his runs in the box, his final delivery, just excellent. Excellent, excellent performance. I haven't seen midfield quality like this for Liverpool probably since the Stevie G, Chabi Alonso, Mascherano days, to be 100% honest, because this guy is different. He's more technically gifted than, than Genie. He's more technically gifted than probably more tech he's more robust than Nabi Keita at least physical attributes are far better than Nabi Keita Henderson wasn't as technically gifted as Sobosly he's got a swagger about him he's just a phenomenal football player I think I did say that if he's not already world-class everyone will know he will he is world-class by the end of the season this is the exact kind of game that I'm talking about. Two assists that he finished up with in this one, and it went something like this. Uh, so the second goal, Jota to Sobosly, Sobosly to Salah. Beautiful little one to Sobosly gets the ball back. He plays it into the six-yard box for a grateful number nine, Darwin Nunes, 2-0 up. And like I said, we're cruising. Uh, we did finish up. With a counter, it was a long ball from you fucking guessed it. Sobosly, excellent ball to find him. The forest defense was a bit of a mess here, so the keeper came out when he really shouldn't have. The defender didn't deal with it. The keeper didn't deal with it. It falls to Salah. Salah takes one touch, plays it into essentially an empty net, and it was 3-0, and we're on our fucking way. And... Forrest did have a really good opportunity towards the end. Alanga did hit the crossbar, but the damage was already done. The the result was not in was never in doubt from there. And we pick up another three points and keep it moving. We did get a win in the League Cup today. It was away to Bournemouth. Darwin Nunes scored the second goal. Ooh, what a goal. And Darwin Nunes has a goal or assist, so he has a goal contribution. Every 55 minutes so far this season. The guy is chaos. He, When he's on the pitch, he's either assisting or scoring. It just is what it is. Phenomenal player. This is why I... 
I just really, I'm really, really enjoying this Liverpool team right now. Really, really enjoying it. Uh, Cody Gakpo stepped up with a goal today as well. He's got four on the season. Jota has something like six. Darwin has seven. Salah has, I believe, maybe 11 or so goals so far this season. So we, we've got goals everywhere in the team. We're scoring we are not conceding a ton because our midfield has the legs. Trent looks excellent. We're, we're just in a really, really good place right now for Liverpool into the quarterfinals of the League Cup. We're going to play West Ham at Anfield. Arsenal are out of that competition. City are out of that competition. United are out of that competition. Spurs are out of that competition. We should be favourites. Chelsea and Newcastle are, are probably the biggest threat. So if we can get past West Ham, uh, we should be looking up to picking. We should be looking at picking up that trophy come end of Feb. That that's that really should be the case right now, especially considering how we're rotating the team and getting good performances week in week out. Excellent stuff all around. Super happy as a Liverpool fan. In stark fucking contrast. To the Manchester United fans, rough days it has been over there at Old Trafford. And it started at the weekend in the second biggest uh, rivalry for Manchester United. Obviously, Liverpool will be the greatest rivals. It's probably going to be that way for the foreseeable future. But Manchester City stepped into town, the noisy neighbors, Manchester Derby. Obviously, this there must have been so much dread going through every single United supporter because they they've seen City tear them to shreds from time to time. Who can forget the six one last season? They lost six three. They've get they've gotten hidings from City in recent times. However, they did beat City last season at Old Trafford. They beat Liverpool as well at Old Trafford last season. However, that the all that's a distant memory because. I didn't catch the first 30 or so minutes of this game because for some fucking reason, the Liverpool Forest game overlapped with the beginning of the City United game. Didn't make any sense anyways. So when I tuned in, Erling Haaland had just scored the penalty. I saw the replay, super soft penalty. Oh my goodness. That that's never a penalty for me. Never ever a penalty. So I nope. kind of feel for United in that sense. However, I don't think even if even if City didn't score that penalty, this result was gonna be the same regardless. Uh, so Onana kept them in the game at this point. They they were awful all around. That's that's quite a spade a spade here. They were absolutely awful. They did have a few decent opportunities when they were one 0 down. Um, Hoyland did have a couple opportunities, found himself in good uh, spaces, but they they just they couldn't do anything. They couldn't lay a glove on these guys. I know City have been the best team in the world for 2023. Are they still the best team in the world? We'll see what happens. But they United kind of just they just took their medicine. The last time they played these guys, Gundogan scored that worldy volley in the first 10 seconds of the FA Cup final to lose their their title as the only English team to win the treble. And City just, they wiped the floor with these guys. The second goal 
second city goal. Oh my goodness, this is just excellent football from back to front. It's what's kind of similar to the Brighton goal. There was a Brighton goal that um, I think it was the second goal as well that they scored against United. Just excellent football playing through that team. City did something very, very similar. It, it flowed from, from their their final, th- their defensive third right the way up the pitch all the way until the ball found Grealish on the left. He crosses it in for Haaland to get his second goal 2-0 up for City. And obviously the game is done at this point. United had zero hope of coming back. Uh, it... it <laughs> <laughs> it was just done. The the entire Old Trafford was super deflated. It was a mess from there on. Uh, a little bit later on, Rodri took a shot. It it was saved. Erling Haaland reacted. He squared the ball for Full Foden for three 0 I believe Full Foden is a academy kid from Manchester City, so you know that was extra sweet for him. Three 0 United lose at home in the derby. Gary Neville's blaming the 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 Glazers hundred percent. Yeah, they sh- they deserve every bit of blame that they get. However, Eric Ten Hag as well. Come on, come on, guys. I th- I think it's time that Eric Ten Hag takes a lot of blame. Reason being, United have no style of play. This has been the case probably since since Jose Mourinho they Jose Mourinho everyone knows how a Jose Mourinho team is going to play and that that's not been a secret since his Porto days probably United played in that system in that way very compact and they still have elements of that today years on managers later Oli kind of did similar, similarly with that. Eric Ten Hag was supposed to be the guy to introduce total football, playing out from the back, all this kind of stuff. We don't see that. We don't see any pattern of play. And this is the reason why he deserves a lot of blame. Because Ange Postacoglu, we can see a, a style of play for Spurs. Actually, we could see that two Premier League games in when he had Udoji and whoever the right back is over there uh, inverting, both both inverting. And I was like, oh, hey, that's interesting. Both his fullbacks are inverting. We see nothing of the kind over there at United. Unai Emery, style of play at Villa. Klopp, first game, the very first game you could see, oh, this is where they're trying to go. Arteta, same situation. I know Arteta's been in the in the team for a while. Maybe that's not a great great example, but Postacoglu has been there a year less than Ten Hag. This should be some kind of style of play, something. And for United, they, they go and they follow this awful performance up by getting smacked around by Newcastle in the League Cup. They lost 3-0 today. I caught a couple highlights. It it didn't look good for them at all. Just a mess. Absolute mess. This is not only did they lose to Newcastle. They lost to a Newcastle team that made eight changes from the Premier League game. So this isn't first team, full uh, uh, first choice players for Newcastle. No, this is a Newcastle, a heavily rotated Newcastle team. Went to Old Trafford and beat them 3-0. Newcastle have won two games at Old Trafford in the past 15. 
52 years or something like that. 50 years. The first win, I believe, was 10 years ago in like 2013. Second win was today. Ridiculous stuff. Is Ten Hag gone yet? Is he going to go? Are they going to let him go? It's wild. That's a wild one. Uh, Awful results for them. Uh, Newcastle get revenge for their League Cup final loss to United uh, earlier this year. So really, really, really happy Tune Army. Really, really happy citizens. Wow. Old Trafford must be, that might be the lowest low that they've had. I still think that losing 7-0 at Anfield was probably the lowest low of this post-Fergie banter era for United. But it, it could get worse. It could get worse. If if Ten Hag goes and they bring in someone even worse, kind of like uh, Ralph Ragnick, wow, it could get ugly. And it's been ugly for a while. Absolutely delicious. I, 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 <laughs> I had a great time making this episode talking about how shit United have been. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, days and dems, obviously there's going to be a full round of fixtures coming up on the weekend. I know Spurs play Chelsea on Monday. Liverpool, we go to Luton, I believe, on Sunday. And Arsenal play Newcastle. Interesting one. I believe it's at St. James's Park on Saturday. So really, really good fixtures coming up this weekend as per usual. However, until then, ladies and gentlemen, days and thems, I hope you have a magnificent day whenever this podcast reaches your ears. And take care.